0: Good morning and welcome to worship here at our Savior's Lutheran Church. A special word of thanks to Nathan and Soren Miller for sharing special music with us at the Prelude. We'll have a chance to hear from them during the rest of our service. Well, a special welcome to those of you that are joining us this morning by our OSL podcast or through our YouTube channel or via the radio. We are glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. I remind you that there is a bulletin available for this service on our website for you to download. Today is Reformation Sunday. Rooted in the past and growing into the future, the church must always be reformed in order to live out the love of Christ in an ever-changing world. We celebrate the good news of God's grace, that Jesus Christ sets us free every day to do this life-transforming work. Trusting in the freedom given to us in baptism, we pray for the church that Christians will unite more fully in worship and in mission. And now, as we enter into this time of worship, I invite you to light a candle and also to gather some bread and some wine and juice To be able to celebrate Holy Communion a little bit later in our service. I invite you now into this time of worship. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who creates, redeems, and sustains us and all of creation. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Let us pray. Faithful God, Have mercy on us. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We turn from your loving embrace and go our own ways. We pass judgment on one another before examining ourselves. We place our own needs before those of our neighbors. We keep your gift of salvation to ourselves. Make us humble, cast away our transgressions, and turn us again to life in you, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. God hears the cries of all who call out in need, and through his death and resurrection, Christ has made us his own. Hear the truth that God proclaims. Your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ, led by the Holy Spirit live in freedom and newness to do God's work in the world. Amen. Together we sing our gathering hymn, hymn number 504, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel and bestow on the church your saving peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We now join Pastor Heather for a kid's story time.
1: Good morning, OSL kids and adults, and welcome to another story time. As we read from a book that you know I love, Holy Troublemakers and Unconventional Saints, this morning we meet Father Broderick Greer. Here's his story. It's Sunday morning in Fort Worth, Texas, and a 10-year-old Broderick Greer is sitting in the fourth pew at his family's Missionary Baptist Church. This sanctuary is a second home to him, a place where he spends many hours every week at prayer meetings, Bible study, and church services. He loves this place. It's where he feels deeply and fully loved by God. This morning, as usual, his grandmother sits at the piano, ready to accompany the choir for the next song. She's the minister of music for the church, and Broderick simply adores her. When the sermon begins, Broderick's grandma walks from the piano over to her seat where Broderick joins her. The music was especially good today, Grandma, Broderick whispers. Thank you, she whispers back. The pastor begins preaching and Broderick's grandma pulls out her small, green, pocket-sized Bible and her pen, like she does every week. In the small margins of the pages, she writes down sermon titles, some of the ideas the pastor shares, and her own thoughts. Over the many years of Sundays and sermons, Broderick's grandma gradually fills up the margins of her Bible. Over the years, different pastors preached on the same verses, sometimes with different insights and ideas. Sometimes pastors preached a sermon they preached before, That Bible became a record of all the hundreds and hundreds of Sundays in that church, as seen through the eyes of Broderick's grandma. Her notes were crammed everywhere. She and the text were in conversation. The experience of watching his grandma write notes in her Bible stayed with Broderick. He learned that a life with God could look a lot like the margins of his grandma's little green Bible. It could be a conversation. I could see that this is what life with God can look like. Life with God is a dialogue. It is not fear-based. I could settle in and take notes, Broderick said, and I could have my own thoughts and write back. As part of Broderick's spiritual journey, he attended several churches before becoming an Episcopal priest. He loves the Episcopal church. But he admits that he misses the Missionary Baptist Church, which his family has been part of for over 150 years. In fact, his great grandfather is buried at a church in Texas founded in 1865, right after the Civil War ended and enslaved people were freed. Up until then, black Americans could not legally organize a church. White slaveholders did not allow them to gather together in large groups. All of the churches that Father Broderick grew up in were black churches, and church remains an important place for many black Americans. Father Broderick did not want to leave that rich family church history, but he came to realize that the Missionary Baptist Church wasn't the place for him. You see, when Father Broderick was a teenager, he began to know that he was gay. The church Father Broderick grew up in did not support LGBTQ people or treat them equally. In fact, Father Broderick had grown up thinking being gay was sinful and he had a hard time accepting himself. For several years as a teenager, he joined a fundamentalist church that was even less accepting of LGBTQ people. Father Broderick thought the strict rules would somehow change him and stop him from being gay. Gradually, Father Broderick was able to come back to the lessons of his grandmother's Bible. He started having his own conversation with the Bible and with God. Sometimes these conversations were written on actual pages, books, and Bibles. And sometimes these notes and conversations happened online and other places where people talk together today. Father Broderick loves to help interpret Bible stories for people today. Interpretation of any text means that we try to take the words and figure out what they mean for us now. We can't read anything without our own memories and experiences informing our understanding. Black preachers have developed a great way of letting their audiences know they are about to talk about a particular Bible story or verse in a fresh, creative way. When a preacher in a Black church says, Now, in my sanctified imagination, That's a cue for the congregation, that what the preacher is about to talk about is not exactly in the text, but it's what the preacher imagines the text might be talking about. It's very similar to a practice in Judaism called Midrash, and it's a way to gain new insights about a text. Today, Father Broderick shares his thoughts and his sanctified imagination, both in church as a priest in the Episcopal Church in Denver, Colorado, as well as to a huge audience online who love to hear his perspective on God, faith, politics, and much more. He wishes that his grandmother were still alive to hear his sermons. He knows she would write notes in the margins of her Bible, just like she always did. He knows these kinds of dialogues with the text and with God never come to an end. On this reformation sunday we give thanks for the gift of our holy scriptures and to, for the ways that the holy spirit is at work continuing to bring good news the gospel continuing to guide us in the ways in which we are called to live as christians continuing to inspire us with these sacred words we like father broderick continue to be challenged anew As the world changes, our scripture meets us and we hear these words in new ways, too. Give thanks this day for the ways in which you are in conversation with our holy scriptures, in conversation with our God. May you bring your creative imagination, all of your experiences as wisdom and wisdom to the conversations with the text and in your prayers and conversation with God and in your conversations with us, with one another, with your church. Thanks for listening this morning. We continue our worship now as we hear our first reading.
0: Paul's words stand at the heart of the preaching of Martin Luther and other Reformation leaders. Human beings do not make themselves right with God through works of the law. We are brought into a right relationship with God through the divine activity centered in Christ's death. This act is a gift of grace that liberates us from sin and empowers our faith in Jesus Christ. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now, apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by His blood, effective through faith. He did this to show His righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from the works prescribed by the law. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God.
1: The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower, Jesus says to his disciples. My Father removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace and peace to you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. On this Reformation Sunday, even as we are gathering remotely for worship, we still gather to celebrate the roots of our Lutheran theology and our tradition. And while our history is far from perfect, it is just as human as any faith tradition, our Lutheran theology and voice, I believe, is much needed in our world now more than ever. As our society seems to grow more and more polarized, our Lutheran voice encourages respect of diverse views and experiences. As our culture tends to want to pretend that we live in a world that is black and white, figuratively and literally, our Lutheran theology leads us to see the world in shades of gray, or better yet, in the rainbow of colors that it is. As Lutherans, we like to think in terms of paradox, We are both saint and sinner. We hear the Bible as both law and gospel. As Christians, we are both free and bound. In a sense, as Lutherans, we are part of a both and church in a too often either or world. So our world needs our voice, not as the ultimate and singular answer to any one problem, but as a model of how to ask questions, how to truly consider different perspectives, how to truly value opposing points of view, how to truly honor the diversity of people, thought and experience. On our best days as Lutherans, we know, or at least our theology teaches us that asking questions and honoring and valuing diverse answers, ideas, people, that such inclusion and curiosity is what teaches us to be more compassionate, less ignorant, more humble, less obtuse, more aware of what we have yet to learn and more aware of all that we do not yet know. All of which is to say, perhaps you could say, that we know that we are grounded, rooted in a fundamental understanding That no matter how faithful or righteous we might strive to be or think we are sometimes or know that we are not it is always by god's grace that we live and thrive and flounder and fall and are picked up and dusted off and encouraged to begin again by god's grace we live we are forgiven we are loved we are connected to god to one another Martin Luther has taught us a wonderful Latin phrase to describe our ongoing experience as disciples. Simul justus et peccator. We are simultaneously saint and sinner all along the way. We are both at the very same time. And Luther clarifies that the word saint really means a forgiven sinner. That is who we are, people of grace, because we know We are people who continue to be graced by God. A wise seminary professor once said to me, and this has always stuck with me. He said, Heather, remember that even when you make the right choice, you are forgiven. Hmm? Yes. (laughs) Even when we make the right choice, we are forgiven. Because forgiveness, grace, is not an insurance policy in case we mess up, grace is the very nature of God grace is the experience of God grace is the relationship with God and even on our best days what matters most is not what we do or what we think but rather what God is doing for us in us through us and yes thankfully even in spite of us there is great freedom in this truth, knowing that even when we make the right choices, we are forgiven. Even when we are our very best, we still live in God's grace. In our first reading for today, a famously Lutheran text from Paul's letter to the Romans, we heard that the righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus. Many scholars, however, believe the original Greek would more likely say the righteousness of God comes through the faith of Jesus for all who believe. For you grammarians out there, it's a genitive construction, meaning it shows possession. In this case, scholars would interpret that the faith that is being possessed is the faith of Jesus. The emphasis then is more on Jesus' faith, his faithfulness, than our own. Salvation, being saved in all the ways that we need saving, salvation is a gift, given, not earned, offered, not won. And this realization for Martin Luther was life-changing. Once he realized that the weight of every failure, every shortcoming, every sin, was not the measure of him, but that God loved him, named him, and claimed him, and called him into new life through Christ, Luther finally began to learn how to trust in God's capacity more than his own, and instead of groveling in every sin, he began to find joy in acknowledging that the Spirit of God really was at work in him. In other words, he experienced freedom from the power of sin. Not freedom from sinning, but freedom from the power, the weight of sin. Freedom from all that stuff that weighs us down and blinds us from really seeing God's good purposes for us. Well, I chose a gospel reading for today. That is not the typical reading for Reformation Sunday, because I found myself needing a bit of a holy reminder that even now, while we are physically distanced, we are still spiritually connected. We are still the church together. We are connected to God in Christ like a vine to branches. We are connected to one another through the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. Like a vine to branches, so does faith and love flow to us and through us. Vine and branches. It's one of my favorite images in the Bible. In fact, my husband and I have it engraved on our wedding bands. This gospel was read at our wedding, vine and branches. Now when Jesus first shared this beautiful image with his disciples, he did so because they were afraid. Jesus' life was in danger because he wouldn't back down when the Roman authorities and the temple authorities were working so hard to silence him. And his disciples were afraid of what was becoming a more and more certain end for him. How would they manage if he was taken from them, if he was gone? Vine and branches, Jesus says, no matter what, he will abide with them, with us. No matter what, he will remain connected to them. No matter what, Jesus says, we are connected loved, like a vine to branches. A year or so ago, I read a book entitled The Hidden Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate Discoveries from a Secret World by Peter Wollobin. Wollobin is a German forester by trade and a great author. His book that he's written is a bestseller. I hadn't realized how deeply trees are connected to one another through their roots. I never realized how much trees actually depend on each other for protection and support. Trees actually share scarce resources, nutrients with one another, and they send messages, chemicals to each other to ward off danger. Trees send messages through electrical signals, chemical signals, pheromones, scent compounds, through smell about threats and attacks. And it is likely that trees even communicate somehow through sound vibrations. And all the fungi on the roots of the trees also communicate among the interweaving root systems to protect the health of the forest. Trees are actually quite social life forms. Isn't that amazing? As Peter wallabin writes, when trees grow together, nutrients and water can be optimally divided among them all so that each tree can grow into the best tree it can be. Wallobin tells a story in his book about an experience that fundamentally changed his understanding of trees. When he stumbled across a patch of what he thought were strange looking mossy stones arranged in a circle about five feet wide. But when he lifted the moss, what he found wasn't stone at all, but rather ancient tree bark firmly rooted to the ground. He scraped a portion of the bark away, and below the bark was a sheath of green, the color of chlorophyll, the stuff that makes leaves green. Wallobin realized that he was actually looking at the remains of an ancient tree stump, and what he thought were stones were actually the remnants of that stump's outermost edge. All of the interior had long ago rotted away. The tree most likely had fallen some four or 500 years ago. So how could there possibly be green chlorophyll in the ancient stump without leaves, without photosynthesis? He could hardly believe it, but that ancient stump was getting assistance from the roots of neighboring trees. The surrounding trees were pumping sugar to that stump to keep it alive. Wallabin now sees trees as members of an interdependent social network interconnected by root systems and networks of fungus. The strength of a tree is in the strength of the forest. As we celebrate this Reformation Sunday and our ongoing reformation too, may we be reminded that in Christ, we too have a powerful root system, roots that ground us and form us and reform us and strengthen us and feed us and encourage us and help us to weather the storms and take in the sunshine that comes in this life that we've been given. We are an ecosystem. We are connected and like a forest, we are stronger together. We are not identical trees far from it. Instead, we are each unique and beautiful creations and we are part of a collective whole, a community, this church, the ELCA, the Christian church on earth. We are connected to each other through strong life-giving roots. And because God abides with you and me and in us together, we get to be who God has created us to be strong and kind, compassionate and fierce justice-seekers and healers in our world. We get to be modern-day reformers who lead our church into faithful ways of following in the ways of Jesus. We are connected, like a vine and branches, and we have good fruit, much-needed fruit, to share in our world. May you feel the power of our connection today in roots that run deep and stretch out far and wide. Amen.
0: We sing together our hymn of the day, O Praise the Gracious Powers, hymn number 651. And we sing verses two, three, five and seven. in God's grace and mercy, let us pray for the Church, the world, and all those in need. After each petition, we sing together, Lord, listen to your children praying. Renew and inspire your Church in the freedom of the Gospel, O God. Where the Church is in error, reform it. Where the church speaks your truth, strengthen it. Where the church is divided, unify it. Ignite in us the working of the Holy Spirit and empower us to see and feel and appreciate the connection we have with you and with one another through your Holy Spirit. Grow our roots deep and help us to bear life-giving fruit in your world. As the earth changes, O God, as mountains shake and waters roar, may we care for this planet as a holy habitation for all living things. Sustain all people and lands, recovering from natural disasters of every kind, from fires to floods. We pray to the Lord. those who are oppressed and those around the world who are enslaved or treated as property. Protect all in harm's way. Release those living in bondage to debts, chronic pain, or addiction. Grant your healing touch to those who are ill, especially Muriel Michelson, Nancy Steinmeier, Carolyn Barnhart, and Marilyn Lee. We pray for Katie Benson's friend, Sam Duball, who has gone missing while backpacking on Mount Rainier. We pray he be found soon, and we pray for his family and friends as they wait for answers. We pray to the Lord. Later today and later this year, as we surround them with our love and prayers, we pray for David Fern, Kaya Hayden, Brooklyn Hoff, Isaac Johnson, Lydia Miller, Allison Otto, Will Richardson, Zoe Rumsas, Caleb Schneider, Tessa Thompson, Eleanor Wigdahl, and Wyatt Winsand. We pray to the Lord. the Lord be with you always, and also with you. We send the sign of peace to you as we greet one another here. Peace. Peace. We thank you for your ongoing generosity to OSL, and for the ways in which you reach out in love to our neighbors in need. Your support of our ministry is vital as we continue to serve in the name of Jesus. We welcome your offering to OSL and our shared ministry. You are invited to send in your offering to our church office or to use our online giving option on our website at oslme.com. If you have not yet gathered bread and wine or juice, I invite you to do so now as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. But first, we sing together our offertory, Let the vineyards be fruitful.
1: O God, maker of all things, you have set before us these gifts of your good creation. Prepare us for your heavenly banquet, nourish us with this rich food and drink, and send us forth to set tables in the midst of a suffering world, through the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it I invite you now, wherever you are, to share Holy Communion if you're gathered with others or receive the gift of this sacrament yourself. We are connected together like a vine and branches. We are connected to God in Christ. We are connected as a community of faith. And the love and promises of God flow through us and are poured out upon us in this meal, this day. As we celebrate communion, we have the opportunity to hear some special music from Nathan and Soren Miller. They will be playing Duo Number 12 by Francois Couperon. The body of Christ is given for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, gracious God, that you have once again fed us with food beyond compare, the body and blood of Christ. Lead us now from this place, nourished and forgiven, into your beloved vineyard to wipe away the tears of all who hunger and thirst as we are guided by the example of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and led by the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.
0: As you enter into the rest of this Sabbath day, receive this blessing. Mother Mothering God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you and lead you into the way of truth and light. Amen. Amen. I want to share with you now, the members, the ministers of our Savior's Lutheran Church, some announcements, some opportunities to engage in ministry. The first is an opportunity to write a little bit about one of your favorite Advent or Christmas traditions. I will be collecting your stories to compile for an Advent devotional. I encourage you to think a little bit about those things that you as a family have done over the years. This could be anything from uh, decorating a Christmas tree, to baking lapsa, to gathering on a night to watch all of your favorite Christmas movies. Whatever it is you and your family do, share that with us. Write a little bit about how the tradition got started or how it's changed over the years. Maybe you can tell us what it means to you or how it connects to your faith send those traditions to me by November 12th, and then we'll compile them into an Advent devotional that'll be available for you um, at the start of Advent. I also want to let you know that this year we will once again be collecting um, and assembling Thanksgiving meals for members uh, or for families in our community who are in need. There will be information um, for you to find in the scope that will have details, But we will, again, be collecting those same items that we've collected over the years, cans of corn and um, gravy and cranberry sauce, the ingredients for green bean casseroles, and, of course, we'll need some turkeys as well. Um, If you would like to help with those Thanksgiving meals, we do ask that you call the church office to sign up to donate food. That will help us keep track of what is being donated and ensure that we uh, get all of the um, needed items for each of the meals that we will be assembling. I also have an invitation for you, for those of you that have recently lost loved ones. If you would like to request a favorite hymn in memory and honor of your loved one, please contact the church office and they will gather your information. And then, as we are able, we will include that special hymn request. Um, as our ascending hymn in one of our upcoming worship services. Finally, I remind you that if you have a prayer concern, or if you wish to talk with one of our parish nurses or one of our pastors, please reach out to us. We are here for you. You can find all of our contact information on our website at oslme.com. And now I invite you to sing with us our ascending hymn, The Church of Christ in Every Age, number 729, verses 1 through 3.
1: Remember the poor. Thanks be to God.